Welcome to episode 70 of... (laughs) I hope we can make it to 70. Welcome to episode 7 of 90 Schmaltz. Editor's note. It's actually episode 8. It took us editing this entire podcast to catch this mistake. Where two 90s guys do a belly flop on the shows we grew up watching. From after-school specials, TGIF, and Saturday morning cartoons. We talk about nostalgia, bad acting, and why these shows were radical. I'm Ned. I'm Jeff. And that's us. That's who we are. You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool. That's 90schmaltz.cool. Um, or you can get us on any of the fine places you normally get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, anywhere that you normally do it. How you doing today, Jeff? Oh, I'm doing great. I have uh, enjoyed the holiday, and I'm getting ready to do my final. Fantastic. I think we need to move a holiday into August. You can celebrate my birthday. <laughs> well, he get my job to give me a day off, and I'll... I'll think about it. I think it's on a Friday this year. Might actually take time off for that. I'd consider that. It's a Sunday. Well, I'll definitely take the day off then. Perfect. Uh, I have two more weeks of class after that. Bummer. Yeah, this summer uh, really just flew by at this point. I can't believe it's already been five weeks for the first class. Summer a bummer. That's all right. It's the last time I have to do it. <laughs> uh, your birthday does help very slightly with that, but I think that we need to put a candy holiday in August. Because there's a candy drought of six months between Easter and Halloween. It is a long period of time. We need another candy holiday. Now you listen to me, fat ass. You do what I say and there won't be any problem, okay? Okay. We just drove 2,460 miles just for a little Roy Wally entertainment. The moose says you're closed. I say you're open. Yeah, I could go for another candy holiday. We're old enough now we could just say we'll do a hard candy holiday. (laughs) Old whorehound candies. We'll sit on our rockers on the on the front porch, and we'll just suckle on some hard candy and talk about old times. I've got a nice little. Uh, well, that's this isn't my pomegranate candies. These are two freeze dried scorpions my friend bought me. Ugh. I don't know what I'm gonna do with these. I'm, they're in my candy stash, uh, and I don't know what to do with them. I think you should throw them away. I'm not gonna eat them by myself. Uh, and I just can't imagine a social situation in the near future where I do invite a friend to eat scorpions with me. Yeah. No. It's funny, though. Fun gift. So what are we watching today, Jeff? Today, we hang out with the gang of O-Town. Rocco, Heifer, Filbert, Ed Bighead, and Spunky. We're talking about Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. (laughs) So, what's Rocco's Modern Life about, other than the character names? The television show is a 90s cult classic, I feel like, at this point. um, About the wacky misadventures of an immigrant Australian wallaby and his friends as he integrates himself into american life what's a wallaby what's a wallaby indeed <laughs> let me tell you a wallaby is a small macropod native to australia and new guinea macropod's a funny name because it just i think it just means bigfoot what do you mean it just means bigfoot like at the latin 
macropod would be Bigfoot. Really? I think so. I'm confident. I'm. I don't think so. I know so. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Okay. So macropods derived from the Greek macropod literally means large footed. Wonderful. Scientists are, they're having a good time out there just as much as we are. Yeah, I think so. They belong to the same taxonomic family as kangaroos and sometimes the same genus, but kangaroos are specifically categorized into the four largest species of the family. The term wallaby is an informal designation generally used for any smaller macropod that is smaller than a kangaroo or a wallaroo, which I've never heard of, and now I'm looking that up. Wallaroo is a something in between kangaroos and wallabies. Because why not? That southern corner of the southern hemisphere is uh, wild. <laughs> They're really doing some crazy stuff down in Australia. Although, after having watched other people have babies and go through all, all the terrible things you have to go through with a baby because they come out underdone because of our giant heads, maybe going back to the marsupial model has some some value. I think we should consider it. Just leave them in your pouch and carry them around for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we just get a pouch. Because, like, what if a baby came out and they were at the eight-month-old stage? They didn't have to cry for eight months before that. Yeah, give them some time to to warm up to the world a little bit, breathe their own oxygen in a safe place. Do you hear me, scientists and the tech industry? Consider it. And the universe. Bring back more marsupials. Well, I, I mean, yeah, listen to me, God. <laughs> you messed up, and you got to come back and fix this. Um, the show originally appeared on Nickelodeon and first aired on October 29th, 1992, which was a Thursday, and ran for four seasons until November 1996. That's a good run. This is like our first big Nick show that we're talking about. This is our first Nickelodeon show. I don't think we've talked about anything else. Uh, no, we haven't. We've done Disney and... Yeah, which is inevitable well yeah i'd love to talk about pretty much all those early nick shows but this is the one we started with i don't remember exactly how we arrived at this show but so what's nickelodeon <laughs> well it's a uh, a nickel arcade that i don't actually feel like going into the etymology of nickelodeon this episode so i'm not going to do that i didn't think you were going to go that deep anyway yeah I, I and we already talked about a wallaby so doing another definitional yeah probably right away it's probably not great for pacing so nickelodeon is a cable network one of the very first early cable networks it was launched in 1979 it was commercial free until 1984 Uh, it was the first network to be entirely focused on children's entertainment i didn't realize it was around since 79 yeah well early cable was strange i think it was a regional cable no thing uh cables cable has been around a lot longer than you you would have thought and but it's a lot looks a lot different in the 70s and the 80s than it did by the time we all got it mass adoption and national networks the network performed terribly in the early 80s i think it was like dead last and around the same time was bought by viacom who rebranded it with a bunch of the same people who built mtv and they're the ones who put together all that iconography with the orange splats and the the fonts that well, I didn't even realize I when I see I associate with Nickelodeon. Well, thanks, MTV. Yeah. If you could be the guy responsible for building MTV and Nickelodeon in the 80s, you could feel pretty good about the foot you apparently have on the neck of pop culture. Yeah, for real. Uh, so Nickelodeon had been producing some programs of their own prior to 1990, uh, mostly game shows. But 1990 is the year that they really started throwing these things out there. 
1991, we have the release of Clarissa Explains It All, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. 15, the teen drama. Yeah. Get the Picture, the game show. I don't know. Uh, what I would you do? No, Get the Picture. Get the Picture is the one with Mike O'Malley. And, uh, is that his first like you one? Get... I don't think it was his first one. I think he was on Think Fast. Okay. Uh, I, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure. And Think Fast was another Nickelodeon game show from like 89. Uh, get the picture was the one where they had the like 16 by 16 grid and they had to essentially answer questions to open up the the grid and see what was behind it and then they had to guess what the picture was oh okay i do think i remember that now uh and most importantly for our topic today 1991 the first set of nicktoons came out which is doug rugrats and ren and stimpy the first original animated series for nickelodeon because like we saw talking about disney the idea behind animated shows was that they were cheap garbage to be thrown out the door as fast as you could. Generally, they felt it was an unprofitable or risky venture to actually invest any sort of serious money and development into animated shows. And you're talking about this is Nickelodeon's first in-house? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Correct. This is Nickelodeon's first in-house produced animation feature produced for the network by themselves. Do you remember it? Yeah, of course I do. I watched a ton of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't remember it as maybe in as much detail as I would have thought, but uh, it all comes back as soon as I cracked one open. I can remember the theme song and I can remember the characters, but I don't think it did not crack open for me, as you say. Um, yeah, I did not remember any of the stories. So when we rewatched these, they were like brand new. But I remember the feeling of Rocco's Modern Life. I remember even at the time being able to tell that this was maybe not 100% appropriate for me to be watching. And I think that's one of the reasons I really liked it. Well, you were slightly older than me when this would have come out and we would have watched it. Yeah. And that did not cross my mind. I could tell you that much. Well, in this, uh, my dad didn't have a problem with this one. Uh, my parents were generally pretty hands off as far as what we could watch. Uh, I don't know how on top of your parents were. In the younger years, especially when it came to cartoons, I don't even think... It was thought about because, you know, most of these, yeah, they're adult cartoons when you rewatch yeah. them. But yeah. at the time, no kid is picking up on the, the nuance of the story. Yeah. Uh, I did get told later in life because um, I was a night owl, as I still am, that uh, you should not be watching that at, you know, 11 o'clock or 1130 at night. Well, yeah, see, you could take for granted that things on before 8 p.m. or whatever were generally kid safe uh, because of network TV guidelines or just TV standards and practices at the time but yeah um i had a cousin that was two years older than me that wasn't allowed to watch a ton of things including the simpsons until much later i think he he was at least 10 or 12 before he could watch the simpsons by comparison i think the only real restriction i ever had was my dad really didn't like us watching uh you can't do that on television and the only one i can remember as a younger kid was we weren't allowed to watch roseanne oh yeah yeah and sometimes you know i mean as a parent that's a great way to get rid of a show you just don't like Oh, yeah, it's possible. Cause oh, you I, say, oh, that's that's inappropriate. I can't even picture it ever being on. It was just one of those things that, like, if it popped up, it was channel got changed to something else. You can't do that on television is the, the Canadian variety kids show that has the sliming in it and is the reason Nickelodeon has slime as their thing. But I watched barely any of it because I wasn't allowed. It's a, a show that had been around for a really long time. Yeah, that's that's outside the scope of the 90s. But if we do a deeper dive Nickelodeon episode, I think we have to talk about it. Well, we it'll be less lie, right? Less lie, yeah. And all of those guys, they're all great. We got a VHS back on this one. That's wonderful. It is. I, it's that cool orange VHS, too, on one of these. Yeah, you remember on tour when I bought all those eBay VHS tapes and the Good Burger was that orange 
I do not, but I completely believe that it was. Most of what you purchased was pirated in one way or another, though. With those really bad quality Salute Your Shorts The VHSs. terrible rip of Salute Your Shorts, yeah. yeah. Hey, but you know what? You're doing God's work selling uh, unreleased media on eBay in 2004 on VHS. You do, that's, got, that's, that's a public service, and I think it deserves a tax deduction, at least. <laughs> the, the one VHS that we have the back here for, uh, Viacom International put this out. Rocco's Modern Life, created by Joel Murray, with friends like these. A friend is someone you can count on, and Rocco can always count on his pal Heifer to drag him into trouble. And then it lists the episodes, which it has quite a few episodes on here. Five episodes on the single D, well. VHS, yeah. Five episodes on a single VHS. Bedfellows, No Pain, No Gain, The Good, The Bad, and then The Wallaby. Wimp on the Barbie, and with friends like these. And then it gives the breakdown of, you know... A single sentence explaining what the episode is about. Bedfellows is, if your f- best friend had the housekeeping skills of a barnyard animal, would you let him move in? And I'm not going to read the rest of them. Yeah, no reason to. I was just looking, I was curious about when this is from, given the date on the bottom, and it, it includes episodes from all four seasons. So, The other one that you added to this list is... This weird Friends variety pack that I found where it's got one episode of a couple different shows. Contains 10 essential characters. And it's hosted by Ren and Stimpy. I wonder what the release on this one is. God, this thing's strange. So it, it doesn't really make sense what it is. Okay, so it's 1994. The runtime of 30 minutes does not seem possible. Nope. Given everything else it's saying. This has got the long-awaited... Oh, no, these are other videos on the back. Okay. This is a helping of five tasty Nickelodeon home videos. Then look for the regular size packages of these and other Nickelodeon videos at your favorite retailer. So it's a preview. Oh, okay. VHS. That's why it's 30 minutes long. That's what I was thinking it might have been, but... That's why it contains 10 essential characters, not, you know, two episodes And it's a special program never before seen on video. Yep, such a strange thing. It's, I guess, all these people talking at you. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So interesting. Bobcat Goldthwait is in Are You Afraid of the Dark Nightmare Tales. Oh, wow. Awesome. I want to check out those old Are You Afraid of the Darks because I, from what I understand, they are incredibly cheap. Even from my memory, I remember the first season especially being just the lowest production value. I did. I watched a couple. They were really bad. I love it. I love a good anthology show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to do it. And they work best when they're for kids, I think, at this point. Because, you know, they keep trying to make Twilight Zone and Outer Limits again. And it keeps being this kind of embarrassing, try-hard thing. But, yeah, I love Amazing Stories, the old Steven Spielberg Twilight Zone type thing that they also remade on Apple TV that ruins looking for it because they just gave it the same name. You know, we they love to do that, and then you always get the modern version instead of the old one when you don't want to watch the modern one anyway. It's so frustrating. This is uh, This is not a story that happened to me because I would never do piracy because it's not allowed. But I have a, I heard a story about a friend who tried to download Are You Afraid of the Dark and got the new rebooted Are You Afraid of the Dark instead. And he got mad. From about two years ago. And then we, got, we uh, he got mad and deleted it. <laughs> and the same thing happened to us with Amazing Stories. To him. The show was produced by Joe Murray Studio and Nickelodeon Games Animation Studios. And that's the new... Nick Animation Studio, essentially. Games Production or Games Animation Studios. 
animated by the same studio. So what else could you be watching? What could you be watching? Well, I'll tell you, I found a TV guide from September 25th, 1994. And uh, there honestly wasn't a lot else to watch. This is probably the roughest counter-programming I've ever seen. So no wonder I probably watched a lot of Rocco's Modern Life because, man, these alternatives. Yeah, this this page, there's not a lot of stuff that I really want to watch on here at all. As a matter of fact, I don't at all. So this is a Sunday which explains the bad TV. I remember Sunday being a dead zone as far as TV generally. Like Saturday was so exciting and Sunday was the exact opposite. If you woke up early at all, you'd just get paid programming, vacuum commercials. Oh, those were the best. And then it was all news and sports the rest of the day. You could watch Star Trek's Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Star Trek Deep Space Nine is probably the only thing on here against it that I would And that be would at all carry over in. into the second slot, yeah. Yeah, so Rocco was on at 11.30. And Star Trek Deep Space Nine was on at 11. Uh, we've got a Magic School Bus. That's pretty okay. That's a Saturday morning cartoon. That's like a repeat on a Sunday. Yeah, and that's that's it as far as actual shows that might be interesting to kids. Other than that, we've got the Wall Street Journal report, the McLaughlin report. This is the NFL. The preview, yeah. John McLaughlin's one-on-one, financial freedom, state of the arts, NFL preview. Sports Center. Pluto and his friends on the Disney Channel. That's a real show. Uh, and then we got Healthy Kids, Sports Exchange, and Race Day. That's dreadful. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize that Rocco was on on Sunday. For some reason, I thought it was a like a, a Nick evening show during... Um... I thought it was, too. This would have been during season two, so I don't know exactly how this stuff worked. What was that called? But I think... What, Rocco? No, the Friday night or Saturday night Nick thing. Oh, Snick. Snick. Okay. No, yeah. it was it was not on Snick because Snick did not have Nicktoons outside of Ren and Stimpy. But I think it did appear on Snick after the fact because this show was continued to be played on Nickelodeon after the fact. It was also syndicated for that one year, uh, right at the end. Yeah, I don't know how Nickelodeon was using its in-house produced stuff. I don't recall that really Nicktoons were ever on. I think Rugrats got onto Snick at one point. Uh, they had a lot of trouble. I think replacing Clarissa. Because I don't think the I ever The beginning of Snick watched, is a little weirder, though, too. I don't think I ever watched Rocco on a Sunday. Yeah. I think it, they showed it on in the afternoons, too. I think a lot of these things would be part of an afternoon block, and they played it a bunch. I do know, because I can remember that specifically there was a Christmas episode of a bunch of stuff, and that all appeared on Snick. I... Can I have no idea what the year is. 94, 95, 96, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, early Snick was a little looser with that stuff. But once all that and Are You Afraid of the Dark were the staples, then they just had, like, uh, the, the Secret World of Alex Mack and stuff like that. But uh, The Secret World yeah. of Alex Mack is what replaced Clarissa and yeah. Roundhouse. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I don't and know if it. I what don't I'm know talking exactly. about the, the that Christmas episode set was in '95, uh, December 16th, '95. It was Doug okay. Rugrats and Rocco's Modern Life with Ren and Stippy at the end, or whatever. And I have a feeling Nickelodeon just showed these things almost constantly, and Sunday may have been the slot that they premiered in. But it, that what does that matter when it's on the same channel right. four times that week as well? 
No, 100%. But it appeared. I mean, it was a normal. You got your new episodes on Sunday. Yeah, that's what it seems to. And for good reason, because there's literally nothing, almost literally nothing else to watch. Uh, but it was interesting because I thought Ren and Stimpy was pretty much relegated to Snick because it was so child unfriendly. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah. Ren and Stimpy is such a wild show to be showing. It's on right before Rocco's Modern Life on 11 a.m. on a Sunday during church. I remember going into grade school because I went to a Catholic grade school and the kids would talk about that during the week. I remember staying up to watch it on Snick with my cousin. Uh, my cousin who got to watch things that were... Because I wasn't forbidden from watching a lot of things. I just didn't care to watch a lot of this stuff. But my cousin was watching X-Files and Tales from the Crypt and good stuff generally. Uh, I do want to point out my favorite uh, thing on this listing to, is the campaign almanac on C-SPAN. It's an hour and a half long about the 1994 Texas gubernatorial race and the Texas and Oklahoma Senate races with campaign commercials. Thrilling. C-SPAN was so much better back in the day. Yeah. And C-SPAN's cheating. It's it's supposed to be boring. <laughs> Rocco was produced by Joe Murray Studio and Nickelodeon Games Animation Studios, which was the in-house Nick production called like Games Production or Games Animation Studios, uh, animated by the same. Uh, the show originally created by Joe Murray. This was his first like foray into television. Cool. He actually kind of didn't want to do this because he felt like he didn't want to make a children's show. I can understand the the reticence. He also created Camp Laszlo, um, Pink Panther and the Pals, which was a 2010 reboot. Frog mm-hmm. in a Suit, Let's Go Luna. These are all mostly more modern shows that he's a creator of. He was also a executive producer on a pup named Scooby-Doo. Fun. I like that show. I like that one too. Yeah. Uh, executive produced by Mary Harrington. She's a producer credit on Nick's Doug, Ren and Stimpy Show, Rugrats, Ah Real Monsters, like pretty much all of those early Nick cartoons she has a producer credit on, it seems. Oh, good for her. Good track record. The music by Sarah Frost Goats. Theme music performed by the B-52s and Tom Kenny. Well, for season two through four. He's a treasure. He really is. Pat Irwin, also composer for Rocco's Modern Life, also composing on Pepper Ann, Kablam for three episodes, SpongeBob SquarePants for four episodes. Uh, for the main cast, Rocco is Carlos, uh, oh, fuck. Alazraki. 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 Yeah. All right. Alazraki. Let's actually, like. Let's look that up. Because he is kind of a big deal. Alazraki. I found it on his Twitter. <laughs> Uh, he has 450, 415 credits. He also voiced Spyro, Spyro, the dragon in the first game, Crocker in Fairly Odd Parents, and Deputy James Garcia in Reno 911. A live action role. Yeah. And also a good one. Reno 911's great. Yeah, man. All those actors from Reno just. All right. And then we've got Heifer. Heifer Wolf. Yeah, because his parents are wolves. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I appreciated this is I don't know where else I would say this, but I, I appreciated his mother. His mom is named Virginia Wolf. It's a feminism joke. Thanks, IB English. Uh, Tom Kenny played Heifer. Tom Kenny is a treasure. And I don't know what it is about this year that has made me like encounter him so often. 
Tom Kenny has said that he voices a lot of sweet yellow characters for some reason. Isn't it great? Everyone loves it. I'm a local celebrity. I'm somebody. Heifer in this one was his first uh, voice acting job, and you'd know him most as SpongeBob SquarePants. He's also the voice of Spyro after the first game. Wow. So we have all the voices of Spyro in the first two acting credits. Uh, he's also Ice King and Magic Man from Adventure Time. Tons of other things. Uh, he's the live-action actor in the Smashing Pumpkins video, Tonight, Tonight. Oh, that's right. I found a Bobcat Goldthwait dark comedy from 1991 called Shakes the Clown. And Tom Kenny plays the evil clown in that movie. Uh, because Tom Kenny is close personal friends with Bobcat Goldthwait. And then through that and all this research, I found this terrible sketch comedy show from 1992 called The Edge. Oh, yeah. Which I, yeah, you, it's wonderful. We, we watched should, it. We should spread it far and wide because it's got Jennifer Aniston, Wayne Knight, all aka Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park or Newman from Seinfeld. Paul Feig. It's got Paul Feig and a couple other people, but just not good. There's something fascinating about 90s sketch comedy shows that just don't go anywhere. And I just watched about half of Idiocracy on a Twitch channel, and he's the voice of the computer in that. Is he? And like, and once you know his voice and once you know him, you hear him everywhere. You really do. I mean, which he has 536 credits. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, SpongeBob is a little bit cheating with that because there are, I think, 58 to 100 SpongeBob individual things. But... Yes, he's done a lot of work. Yeah, he found that paycheck in SpongeBob for sure. Tell me about Filbert. Uh, Filbert, voiced by Mr. Lawrence or Mr. Doug Lawrence. Uh, 75 credits. Most of his acting career here is uh, Plankton in SpongeBob. He does have a few other various works, but it looks like he has a bunch of writing credits. Yeah, he also did some directing and music. Just a renaissance man, doing, doing it all. 18 writer credits. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing he's done the most outside of acting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charlie Adler plays Ed Bighead. I think he also plays his wife, Mrs. Bighead. I believe so. That's uh, 321 credits, notably the modern Starscream. Yeah. Not the original, the guy who died and was also Cobra Commander. Uh, he was Snively from Sonic. Sad AM Sonic. Oh, I don't know. That Have all. we talked about the fact that there are two Sonics? Have I told you about this? No, I don't think so. There's two Sonic TV shows, and they both are aired at like a year apart. One is Sonic Saturday AM, and one is Sonic Afternoon. That's how the fandom tends to refer to them. Wow, well, we're going to have to cover that when we can get to one of them. Yeah. Charlie Adler also played T-Bone from SWAT Cats, which I can't wait to talk about. And then I Icus love SWAT Cats. From Ah, uh, Real Monsters. Also a great show. He's got a hell of a voice. He does. Charlie Adler does. There's, It sounds painful at times. It's good, though. And I think that's why he has so many credits, because he just fits that. Yeah, I was interested to see T-Bone from SWAT Cats, because his voice is fairly normal. And most of the rest of these guys are doing this, like, thing that uh, I was surprised to hear his normal voice. Dr. Paula Hutchinson, played by Linda Wallen, who only has a few acting credits. 18, of which this represents two because of the way it's broken down. Uh, she's the executive producer of Sybil, That 70s Show, That 80s Show, and Nurse Jackie. Oh, wow. That's some decent stuff. Yeah. Also did some writing. 
and she's married to singer-songwriter Melissa Etheridge. That's a fun fact. Yeah. Interesting person. Uh, we do actually have an Emmy, a daytime Emmy for the show. Fantastic. Is this the first one? Did Gargoyles win? Uh, we did have another one win. It's probably Nightman. It was Gargoyles. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> Gargoyles was up for quite a few awards, but I believe it won yeah. one or two of them. But the daytime Emmy Award here was Outstanding Film and Sound Editing. And you can just click on the link because that included, I think... That's like eight people. Nine people. Yeah. That's more people than we've talked about so far. It is, yeah. All right, well, let's get to the episodes, I'd say. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. That's why we're here. How do we pick these episodes? Highest to lowest. Just like always. And we use episoderatings.com. Yep. Our best episode is Season 2, Episode 15, Uniform Behavior. Directed by Joe Murray. So the breakdown, the way they did this on IMDb, I believe they almost put Joe Murray for every single one, and I feel like he just has an oversight because he remained involved, I think, all the way to the end. Joe Murray? Yes. That's yeah. the reason it got canceled anyway, because he was like, four seasons, I'm done. Yeah. So I okay. guess we can skip that part for directed. So directed by Timothy Bjorklund, and then written by Joe Murray, Martin Olson. Timothy Bjorklund, and Jeff Myers. That's a lot of writing for a 12-minute show that's half visual jokes. There's a lot going on in this episode. Oh, yeah, there is. It's just, uh, it's, it's always fascinating, because I guess, I mean, you give writing credits to four people, maybe one of them is the guy that says, like, uh, he wrecks his dad's car, has to get a job. And some other guy's like, let's do a Shining thing. <laughs> and another guy's like, I, I want to make fun of security guards. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you got four writers, right? Like I could see that. I mean, because so Heifer crashes his father's car and has to pay for repairs, so he becomes a security guard because there's no experience necessary. Um, and then he lets the power consume him. All that power going to his head, he ends up uh, shine in the shining essentially, and finds out that this new job isn't all it's expected to be. In fact, it's quite scary. You set him up, and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. I like this episode. I like this episode, too. Uh, RoboFrog 4 is my first note. That's the fake commercial that he watches. RoboFrog 4. This time, everyone gets hurt real bad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but I think he's watching RoboFrog, and then that's later what makes him decide that he wants authority. It's a good little TV intro. It's kind of funny. The, every little joke in this thing works. All wonderful. They're at the Chokey Chicken at the beginning. I love that name. No, the Chokey Chicken is what ends up crashing and crashing. Yes, his car. the Chokey Chicken crashes on. Them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. Good. Thank you. Because it's like a, a delivery truck or something like that. I believe it goes under a really weirdly drawn bridge. That's the thing that I can remember for that is that bridge is just so like wonky, and that heifer refuses to put his seatbelt on because it's uncomfortable. Well, it's because he's too big. And then he goes home and his wolf father gets just angry at him. Yeah, so his, his dad is mad. He says, you got to get a job and fix the car. I says, he says, I couldn't possibly fix this with my allowance. And he says, I guess you're right. Well, and he, You'll have to get a job! Right, and then his mom comes out, right? And she's like, 
now, now, dear. And he's like, no, you're not going to coddle him this time. Like that classic stupid fucking lie. And so he starts looking through the paper for his job. And there's a couple just solid gags. Or it's uh, I have it up because I wanted to say it's a television exec producer. Huge salary. Little work. No cows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's That's funny. I always like when the show makes fun of show business or their network they're on or whatever yeah well then the next joke is a brain donor and it just has picture of a brain and dollar signs yeah i uh i'll tell you from playing the apple 2e game neuromancer uh, i learned that you should not sell all your organs on the first screen because you need eyes to see the game well i think that's a lesson for all of us yeah. Don't sell all of your organs, just a couple. Yeah. Yeah, I sold I sold the eyes and then the screen went blank and then I kept clicking and I guess I sold an important organ cuz then I got a game over. <laughs> Old games, man. Um the security guards wanted gag runs um carry a stick and hit things. Look important. Use a real walkie-talkie. Earn big dollars doing practically nothing. No experience necessary. Sounds Sign like me a real, up, baby. Yeah, let, that's a security guard. I don't know about the big dollars portion of it, but yeah, but yeah, I think then you're right. He's not watching the show or whatever. I, I but he thinks immediately of yeah the Robo guy I, or whatever for his. Authority. I think he dreams of Robo Frog. Yeah, and then he's visited in the night. He doesn't know what to do, and he's visited in the night by the seven udders of justice. Oh, that's right. The udders that do not look like udders. <laughs> Yeah, well, I once you take one off, it looks like a blown-up rubber glove. Uh, With teeth and a, yep. a, a police hat on or security And a lot hat. to say, and they can't count themselves. They keep messing it up. It's funny. It is funny, yeah. And then he puts the uniform on, and there's like a big glow or whatever. They make a real big deal out of it. Uh-huh. And then he walks down the street yelling at people. Yep. Including he his go to friends. his head immediately. Yeah. He's giving people tickets for jaywalking. Tickets as a security guard. And he's probably yeah. writing on like a notepad. You get a fun, uh, is that, do they give that to you as like a novelty gift when you start up? It just says tickets, but it's just a little like notepad. <laughs> a little yellow. And he goes to the only big company in town, apparently, Conglomero. Conglomo. That, you know, that's where Rocker works anyway, right? Yep. And Ed Bighead too as well, right? Right, right. Yeah, because we look, we, he, we see him. Oh, yeah, we do see Bighead. Yeah, he's just taking a couple light bulbs home. Nothing to see here. Because he needs them at home. Heifer's riding around on his big wheel, which makes me happy. I love seeing big wheels anytime. Send your tricycles back. Big wheels only here, baby. Oh, and that's when we start the shining part of the episode. Yeah. So he gets to work, uh, and a guy runs out and says, I'm finally free. And then we find out why that guy was so freaked out. Because it's a lonely job. It's a lonely job, and you go a little bit mad. Just a little bit. And this whole sequence is just a solid Shining parody. Literally. I Some of the things are, like, shot for shot. Yeah. He sees the two beavers instead of the twins. It's the two beavers that always uh, run over with the stretcher saying, hup, 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 hup. And then they put something stupid instead of the person who's actually hurt on the stretcher and run off. That's the gag. Yep. Over and over again, it's those two guys. And then the he goes into the bar and talks to Lloyd, which is the uh, the pig, right? Yeah, some sort of pig devil. Yeah. 
Lloyd, I'll take a root beer float. He's looking real sinister. He sure is. But so have half the bartenders I've ordered from. And then he, you know, Heifer sells his soul for the, the drink. And it all goes downhill from there. And then the tab comes due and he has a real bad time. He gets chased and he runs out next to the same window that the other guy ran out of. And he's naked and he gets arrested. Tears his clothes off. And you see that big hairy cow butt. Great. Solid. 10 out of 10. 100%. And then there is like a lesson learned at the end for like a hot second. Because he has to apologize to Rocco because he, uh, all that power, he, he wrote Rocco a ticket or whatever. And that's who he called to bail him out. And then he says, can I borrow some money to pay for my dad's car? And Rocco's like, let's leave him in there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind, officer. Let him stay in there for a while. <laughs> oh, Rock, you're such a kidder. <laughs> Rock? Rocco? That's how the episode ends. And it's like a, a solid 11 and a half minutes of a good time. Yeah. I will say that I always remembered the animation being a little wonky in this show. And it's it's uncomfortable at times. I like the weird outsider animation quality of it. But your mileage may vary. It just kind of makes the show feel extra weird, right? I know that's the point of it. But like, I don't mind the 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 animation of the characters i just feel like some of the backgrounds are a little too uncomfortable for me there's a lot of uh like mid-century modern weirdness happening in the backgrounds with the shapes and the right there aren't a ton of straight lines in this at all yeah there's a lot of like doors that look completely insane and i'm here for it i think uh, in my notes i have like when heifer gets in his father's car at the beginning of the episode uh, to go and get his snack. The car is facing like off in a weird direction. And then when he starts it, it just starts going forward and slowly fixes itself. <laughs> Still a good show. Some some of those things, you I guess you could view as cheap, but I view them as making strange choices for strange choices sake. Yeah, probably. I like this better than uh, Ren and Stimpy, which looked kind of bad at times and kind of good at times. And then had those weird disgusting close-ups yeah the disgusting close-ups was like the thing for ren and stimpy but this animation is less all over the place for that you kind of they they're very consistent with everything that they're delivering yeah i think it's a full package and then our lowest rated episode we're moving on to our lowest rated episode season three episode 21 the big answer this follows the big question uh, and I think you'll know what that question is when we tell you that this episode is about Filbert and Dr. Hutchinson getting married. And Dr. Hutchinson is the cat with a hook for a hand. Hook, hook for a hand, yeah. In case you wanted to remember what it was. And Filbert's a turtle. We haven't mentioned him yet either, so. We have not. Yeah. In fact, it's uh, funny because Rocco is not the focus of either episode that we watched today. He is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just kind of he comes and hangs out for a little bit and then is gone. <laughs> well, I mean, we see him a lot more in this second. Yeah, he's more one. in this one. Yeah, because he's kind of the the voice of reason through everything. Yeah, he's best manning for Filbert. Uh, episode directed by Mr. Lawrence, who voices Filbert the Turtle. Yeah. Uh, written by Tim Hill and Martin Olson. Why don't you tell them what the episode is about in your own words again? 
All right, Filbert and Dr. Hutchinson get married, despite the animosity of their families. Perfect. So this one, I mean, this one's pretty straightforward. I do really like at the beginning, Rocco asks Filbert for some money, and so Filbert says, oh, I usually, usually don't like loaning money out. And then Rocco says he just needs $4. And then they go down to Filbert's aluminum can hoard. Right. Just this cavernous vault full of aluminum cans. And he just fills up a wheelbarrow full of cans for Rocco to take for $4. And uh, that's funny. That's how he loans them money. I think that's hilarious. And then they make a comment about, uh, I always wondered why he didn't work or something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's rich. The beginning he's... of this episode specifically is uh, in my notes I have at the very beginning of the episode that they give a background to why turtles and cats don't get along or whatever. Yeah, that's right. It starts with a with an explanation of why this ep- episode makes any sense at all. The last companion you'd want for your friend is a cat. Yeah. Why what you are about to see has internal consistency. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't still make any sense. So Rocco borrows five four dollars from Filbert, and he says, "Well, walk me to my car." And Filbert goes, "Why?" And he says, <laughs> "Yeah, old time's sake." <laughs> and then it, and then we go to the outside, and you see everyone perched around the door uh, to steal Filbert away to his bachelor party. And he comes out. They steal him, and they take him to an airplane ice cream parlor. Yeah, it's propped up by a, a giant pole, and it's uh, pilots and stewardesses serving ice cream that they. Uh, is really just representing the alcohol. I appreciate this, you know, metaphor for alcohol here. Is Heifer's just pounding scoop after scoop after scoop. There's like 50 scoops of ice cream arrayed across the table for all four or five of them. And Heifer's like the only person eating them. Yeah. yeah. And Heifer's going nuts on it. And then he loses his mind. More ice cream! Hey! We need more ice cream over here! He goes to do an ice cream psychosis and accidentally wanders into the cockpit. And flies the plane, because apparently there's fuel still in this plane. <laughs> yeah, well, how do you think they power it? Uh, and then they're only in the air for a short bit of time before they crash it. But really, I think, uh, from a liability standpoint, it's probably the uh, store's operator for over-serving ice cream and not securing the cockpit properly. 100%. The, the company should be sued. Colonel H's Barnstorming Ice Cream, Parlor in the Sky. I appreciate that they just crashed next to Rocco's house. Yes. Like about four feet from it. And then Very they, convenient. They, they freak out because they got to get ready to uh, get uh, go to the wedding. Interspersed with this, we get some Dr. Hutchinson talking to her mom. Her mom, the cat, is really upset that she's getting married to a turtle. Yes. Her mom has two hook hands, which I really enjoyed. Because <laughs> the daughter only has one. Yeah, she's this crabby little cat woman with two big claw hands, and she's dressed in black because she's a widow. And they're just having, they're just arguing about it. Disgracing yourself, your mother, and your entire family! Uh, And then we go to the wedding, and the families really hate each other, and they argue and fight. We meet Dr. Hutchinson's father, who apparently is a turtle. I appreciated the turtle's side of the wedding being a, a pool. Yes. Just had a big above-ground pool for them to sit in. Things are starting to get a little tense between the two families, so Rocco takes the turtle side and Heifer takes the cat side, and they're both supposed to defuse it, and then Heifer starts egging him on about how bad turtles are, 
and how it's time to get him and we got to settle this. Yeah, he immediately goes into making it worse, which is normal, Heather. And then uh, Philbert's great aunt comes in in her, like, wearable aquarium. Crazy Aunt Gretchen? I'm an old woman, for Pete's sake. And starts causing trouble. And then we, and then Philbert and Dr. Hutchinson show up real late. And it turns out they went just went and got eloped at the uh, the old marriage hut. Yep. They were tired. They didn't feel like doing the whole rigmarole. So they just did that. And that's when the dad shows up. And her mom just is racist against turtles so much that she said he was dead. Yeah, and then he's there, and he goes away, and she chases after him because she still wants him. Frankie, wait! I still love you! And then the episode ends with Filbert and the good doctor getting on the plane that crashed and flying away somehow. I believe Rocco, the episode ends with Rocco saying, that was weird. They do the, actually my favorite part of the whole episode is at the very end when they're getting on the plane, they do the weird like home movie thing. We're like Heifer oh, standing yeah. in front of them waving and it's like grainy cartoon and they're like, <laughs> get out of the way. And he finally moves and we can watch them like walk up the thing. And yeah, that's how it, how it ends with. And I believe the song at the end is like, come crawl away with me or something. And I, it's probably Tom Kenny. It's a uh, come fly with me, but it's come crawl with me. You're right, Rocco. That was weird. Yeah. He's like the voice of reason through this whole episode. Yeah. And it's needed because it is one hell of an episode. It's all over the place. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I did not enjoy this one as much. Yeah. I have a feeling I know why it's very poorly rated. I think the only bit that I really liked was the ice cream, the very beginning where they tell you why this is important and why they don't like each other, and then the home movie at the end, and that's it. I like it all. I feel I, I go on ice cream benders, and I feel the same way my lactose hysteria i don't think i'd wake up the next day if i ate that much ice cream <laughs> no i wouldn't either i've actually stopped eating ice cream i buy water ice almost exclusively now because my system can't handle it and now everybody knows where we are regionally oh it's true i think we said it previously actually <laughs> i think we might have to but uh all right Where's it streaming? You can find it. Sling TV, Fubo, Paramount Plus, Filio, and the Roku channel. All of those only have a few seasons or episodes, and some of them are pay. I think I actually got rid of all the pay ones, but they all have like a specific season. Except Because even Amazon, I believe, had one season, but I'm not 100%, which is probably why I took it off. The only place you can watch the whole thing is Paramount, and I know that you had something to say about that. Yeah, man, Paramount. I I think my sister got it for three through her sale company or something. So we're in the medium tier. Which I didn't know that until you talked to me about this previously. Yeah. So I guess there's a high tier where they will still show you promotions for Paramount Plus offerings, but they will not show you the other commercials. And so we've got this $5 tier that we got for free th- through something else. And it's just full of commercials. It's terrible. There's like five commercials. And I was watching something else on it with my five-year-old niece. And every time it would come up and say, you're watching Nick on Paramount Plus, uh, we would both <laughs> shout, I know. I, and I didn't know that because whatever version that I'm paying for, because, you know, I need it for sports, I only get a like a Nickelodeon thing at the beginning. And I think it's like seven seconds long and that's it. Yeah. And that's too much for me. No, there's like, in 
with Rocco's Modern Life, there was one at the beginning, one after the theme song, one break between the two episodes. So like, which I think comes to, together to like eight minutes of commercials for a 22 minute program, which I guess is what it would have been when it came out. If I'm, if my, if my math's correct here, I've just accidentally created a 30 minute <laughs> time block, but uh, I don't want that anymore. I can't handle it. Commercials kill me. I, I can handle a few, but once you get into that 30 second mark, I'm over it and I will figure out a way to not have to watch commercials. I just usually fall off of anything I'm watching that has commercials because I pick up my phone and then I say, well, oh, I'm not watching this anymore. So yeah, I'll go do that's something my, else. my sweet spot is anything under 30 seconds. But if you show me multiples that are even 20 seconds long, like if you give me five commercial breaks, 20 seconds a piece, I can promise you I'm not going to finish watching it. So what do you think? Any new feelings? Uh, no, my... I have the same feelings that it's great. I liked it, but I really don't like the animation. I don't know if it's in my old age that it just yeah. makes me feel a bit uncomfortable the way it's animated. I don't know. It's just very, I keep, I've said this multiple times and I keep trying to find the word that I'm looking for and I, I can't figure out how it really makes me feel. It's just like almost slightly uncomfortable watching the episodes. Uh, so it's like unsettling. It's like unnerving. Yeah. But like not on a, a grand scale where I you know I'm gonna have nightmares or something. It just just that enough that I can't fully enjoy subtle, the story and the goofiness of it. Subtle wrongness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my new feeling. Otherwise, I mean, I could probably watch yeah. a few well, more. I'm sorry. I don't know how you. I'm sorry. This doesn't that. look as good as your slice of life animes, but I mean, animation <laughs> in any form, it just needs to feel like it's. I don't know. Now that's the joy of animation. It doesn't have to look real. No, I don't want it to look real, but I don't want it to feel uncomfortable. It can look completely insane. Makes sense. I, I validate your opinion. I appreciate your validation. Tell me about these toys, because you're the one who who did this research. Yeah, some of these toys were pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of modern toys, too. They're, uh, just like a ton of fun stuff. You know, we had video games. There's some new Funko pop Blech. figures. We have plushies. Um, there's also the original toys and those are, I think the first original set was a kid meal set based on Nickelodeon's Nicktoon series, which was more than just Rocco, mm. uh, distributed by Hardee's in 94, 1994. There were eight toys featuring characters from the series, Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, and Rocco's Modern Life. There was also a newer set released in 2018 by uh, Just Play. And there was like a toy collection figure set. It had Rocco, Heifer, uh, Chuck, Leon, Slippy, which are characters that we did not talk about at all. Um, there's like a chameleon and um, the slug or whatever it is. I forget which ones are which. Oh, yeah, I love that slug. Yeah, he's a dirtbag. That's Slippy. The, the slug is Slippy. And then there's the platforming game for the Super Nintendo released by Viacom Nintendo in 1994. Yeah, that uh, Super Nintendo game was a bit rough. Yeah, I tried that Super Nintendo game right before we recorded this, and uh, I think it can stay in 1994. Yeah, I watched. It was uh, not compelling at all. It's a dreadful-looking escort puzzle platformer. Yeah, you let yeah. the dog die. Well, he kind of killed himself by drowning. <laughs> Uh, so Hardee's, I realized as I never went to a Hardee's until I was an adult and it's because we had a couple and then at some point all the Roy Rogers turned into Hardee's for about six months and I loved Roy Rogers so much that 
I refused to ever go to a Hardee's again after that. And so that's why I probably don't have any of those kids' meal toys. I did not have a Hardee's up here. I did not even know what a Hardee's was until I think maybe college age. Um, maybe Drum Corps was the first time I ever maybe, saw Maybe yeah, the first time I had White Castle was that. And then Hardee's is Carl Jr.'s. Oh. They're sister brands. Right. And I know the Carl's Jr. I mean, the time I spent living yeah. in Vegas that we okay. we've got those. Well, they got those. I always thought Hardee's had uh, curly fries, and so I went to one recently and was disappointed that I had got long fries. <laughs> Arby's has the... Yeah, I know now. Don't you worry. <laughs> as soon as I made that mistake, That's I That's kind of a big researched. disappointment, though. Yeah. All right, additional fun facts. Uh, Rocco first appeared in an unpublished comic book, Travis. That was John Murray kept shopping around in the late 80s. It's kind of what the character was based off of. I believe that Rocco was yellow originally. Neat. That would look weird. So this show led pretty directly to SpongeBob SquarePants. Steven Hillenberg got his first serious animation job as a director on Rocco. And after it got canceled, he drew on his experience as a marine biologist to develop a character and invited Tom Kenny to voice it because of their work together on this show. And that became the SpongeBob SquarePants. Well, thank you, Rocco, for the most popular Nickelodeon show that has ever existed, I guess. Yeah. And that they're running into the ground. Yeah, I can't believe it. St- I thought they were supposed to stop making them. I think they said that, didn't they? And then No, you know. they weren't allowed to do anything while he was still alive. I so see. as soon as he died, they had a feeding frenzy. It's pretty gross. Uh that sounds about right. Yep. And then there it was a reboot on Netflix called Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling. Which we did not watch, so we have no opinions on. And it's from 2019. We're not watching it. And then I have actually one last additional fun fact, which is the censorship on this show. There were a couple of gags that were only broadcast once before they were edited out, and then it was very difficult to find. And in some cases, they've never found full, unedited thing, even after... Do you have an example? Post-releases, yes. I've got one. My favorite one is Rocco and Heifer show up to the no-tell motel to stay the night. And I watched the clip, and the guy at the desk is, uh, oh, we we couldn't possibly take you. We're all full up. Nothing's going to open up for another 20 minutes. Can you wait? And then he's like, oh, we got a premature evacuation. Something <laughs> just opened up. And it's like, how long do you want it for? And they say, oh, just till tomorrow. And he goes, all night. <laughs> and then does the, you know, woo. <laughs> <laughs> You can have room now. How long you want? Just till tomorrow. All night? Okay. And uh, that was edited out immediately after the first. I can't believe it made it past the original. Yeah, well, there's uh, they did, I think, the censors had some notes about it, but Heifer has an encounter with a milking machine where they all they made him do was change the hearts in his eyes to stars. That's so. right. And he says goodbye uh, to that milking machine. Yeah, he says, and very sadly, bids farewell to his his new friend. And Rocco does at one point work at the phone sex line. I remember that because that's the one with uh, where he, uh, Ed Bighead's wife is uh, infatuated yeah, with him. Well, and there's that's so it's that's a different one. Oh, is but it? There, that, that that also ended up having some censorship trouble. So there's been all sorts of uh, some episodes have not made it to certain releases 
but I think most of it's been recovered at this point. Uh, but n- not necessarily on official releases. So you may have to actually seek some of these things out. Is this nastier than Wolf Bronski? Uh, ain't nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. I believe it. I'd say yes. I think it is too. Uh, and we can pipe in here when it's the baseball one that I will send you a link to. The guy leans over and says, Tamales make my bottom burble. Tamales make my bottom burble. And that line stuck with me for life. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some real grossness in this show. There's a lot of crude, strange, somewhat like somewhat misanthropic humor in here. So And what do you rate it out of fifteen? I give it a well, I'll have to look at let me pull up the let me see what I've given everything else. Yeah, I'll give this a thirteen. I'm gonna give this a twelve. Alright. Great. I'm happy with this. Yeah, me too. What a delay. We'll be back to Nickelodeon. I got I got a lot more to say about them. I can't wait. There's so much good stuff to be talking about for Nickelodeon during this. There's decade. also some some pretty bad stuff too that I'm excited to explore. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean it is good to be talking about the bad things. They're just as fun as the good ones. Well, and some of these things you like like the edge, the nineteen ninety two sketch comedy show we talked about. There it's like finding a treasure chest. It's something I had no idea existed. And watching those things that no one watched is pretty fascinating. All right. Well, what are we doing in two weeks? Uh, The Larry Sanders Show. Yeah, that should be fun. Do you want to tell them how to get in touch with us? You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool. That's 90schmaltz.cool. Or you can get us on any of the fine places you normally get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, anywhere. Any of them. That you normally do it. Whatever you want. And then if you have any questions, comments, anything that you like, you can send word over to us at 90schmaltz at gmail.com, which is 90schmaltz at gmail.com. See you next time. Baba Ganoush. That was weird. In a smelly swamp, we'll dine on slugs with ponds gone for dessert. Come crawl.